hopefully we've taken loads of notes. Did you did you learn anything? That was the important thing when you were watching the episode of Real Lineage? Did you learn stuff? Yeah, I mean the IRA are hilariously incompetent at stealing people. <laughs> Good evening to all our wonderful listeners, followers, perusers and stalkers out there. It's time, it's time, no it's not Vader time, it's time for Reeling in Your Ears, the show that brings a little bit of joy into your life every Friday night at 8pm. We're filling the blank that gladiators left. Uh, and to join me on my first whistle, it's Simon Chadwick. Hey Kieran, how are you getting on? Great, fantastic, absolutely Good fantastic, stuff. fantastic. You're, you're certainly, I think, the busiest man in the country of a Sunday evening at half eight, wouldn't you agree? Oh, I'll tell you, it's taken me back to childhood of, you know, listening to the Glen Road team too and realising, you know, homework <laughs> done and having to bust through it. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm busy, busy on Sunday evenings. I'm telling you. Tweeting, but it's great crack. It is actually now, to be fair. Um, yeah, we, we've only recently wrapped up, it was 2012, wasn't it? 2012. 2013 last was it 20? Oh God, I'm losing the run on myself. 2013, yeah, um, 2013. So we're that we're live tweeting. Well, Simon's live tweeting. I'm um, I'm an old man and I have no idea how technology works. So um, <laughs> Simon live tweets every Sunday at half eight. We are at at R I Y E podcast, and you can find us there every Sunday half eight if you live tweeting the goings on in the world. And obviously, what would last week being 2013? If I haven't totally lost my mind, this week is 2014. Um, I don't remember anything about 2014. So. It's going to be a fun one. Um, and speaking of fun, Simon, who do we have with us tonight? Well, Karen, tonight we have got comedian and farming enthusiast Andy O'Regan. Hey, <laughs> how are you all doing? Good, good. That's that's quite the intro. Um, <laughs> I, I, see, I, I like you said before we got Andy, a long time no talk. So I don't, I didn't know if you were still at the farming or whether you were just enthusiastic about it. So I, I decided farming enthusiast would be the best way to go. <laughs> That's up and off in fairness, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there we go. You're you're still hard at it anyway. That's yeah. the main thing. That's the main thing. Um, yeah. So myself and Andy go go back. We uh, we 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 did the, we were on the comedy scene together a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, I got a um funny little side note. I got a text message about two been a bit years ago from a local promoter who said, "Hey, listen, Des Bishop is playing at the Theatre Royal, and we need someone to do opening for him. Are you interested?" And I went, "Yeah, definitely. Check my calendar." It was the night of my stag so i was like ah shit so um i texted him back i said listen i'm not free i'll tell you what give andy o'regan a shout and lo and behold we're we're in the presence of the man who once opened for des bishop (laughs) i stole your spotlight (laughs) Ah, i i I lent it to you it's okay it's okay i'm I'm honored i'm honored andy because des Des bishop has been in reeling of the reeling in the years so you're in the company there you yeah, go. Yeah. See, we're 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 famous by association. I mean, we yeah. had we had Amy Amy Jackman literally on an episode of Reeling in the Years, which is the holy grail, to sure be is. honest. Um, and now we've got somebody who is associated with somebody who is on Reeling in the Years. So yeah, <laughs> things can only get better. Um, and what way to get better? So we're going to kick open our show. So we open tonight with a very shook looking Liam Cosgrave, as he says there will be no compromise as he talks about the kidnapping of Dutch doctor Tiaid Harima. Uh, I think that's how it's pronounced um, at his home in Limerick. The IRA are behind the kidnapping and have threatened to kill the Dutchman unless their buddies are released from prison as guards and soldiers are seen looking in sheds. IRA, my ass, it's probably Millhouse. Um, they, yeah, as we said, the, the, the IRA may be incompetent at stealing people. However, the Guardi's search 
tactics are just brilliant, isn't it? Just stick to head in the shed door. Go, no, not in here. Right, keep moving. There's there's some great clips of lads climbing over gates. Uh, with, <laughs> there's like yeah, the looking in the shed thing is hilarious. Like there's the guy with the gun covering the the guard as he sticks his head in this like this tiny shed. Uh, it's just. Um, it's it's Keystone Cops level of, uh, of, of and like, it's just like we saw it a couple episodes ago um, with the oh, maybe it was the last episode you know when they were dusting the helicopter or the week oh, before yeah. they were dusting the helicopter that the Ra also stole uh, <laughs> pattern emerging and uh, and they were just doing such an incompetent job of it like and it's just it just I don't know if it's just for the cameras or if that was the level of, uh, of yeah. 1975 <laughs> yeah it was like they were dusting the rotor blades it was like nobody touched them like nobody's going to touch the helicopter <laughs> blades <laughs> Yeah, it's just like it's just ridiculous. Like. It just seems like they didn't even have any leads. They're just looking. So maybe he's over here. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if we wish really hard, <laughs> be behind this shed door in the middle of a field in I don't know rural Kildare or wherever the hell they were. Everyone knows the Dutch love a good shade. Um, <laughs> <laughs> his, uh, his wife Elizabeth appeals to the kidnapper, saying, "I do not know what to say, only to consider the tragic consequences of your actions." I don't know what to say, she says. How about give me back my husband? Um, after 18 days of presumably looking in more sheds, uh, they track down the men responsible and they're hiding out in a council estate in Kildare. In a house. I mean, who would have thought? Like, you know, <laughs> when, when all those sheds were available. There's a perfectly good shed right across the field. Who would have thought to use a house? But um, it's it's in a, they're in a council estate in Monaster Evan, but like definitely one of the neighbours ratted on him because I've lived, <laughs> I, I, like I live in a council estate. I fucking know you can't get away with shit without your neighbours knowing about it. There's a fella in a balaclava having a barbecue out the back garden in number seventy three. You want to you want to get a guard down here? So you might want to check it. There's a Dutch looking fella flipping the burgers. Definitely him. <laughs> But once they found he was in there as well, he was able to call. Like, he was just calling people from the house in Monster Evan. Like, why? <laughs> it was described as a siege. Like, six army Land Rovers pulled up on the green looking at this house. And they're just shrugging their shoulders. We can't go inside. Did you see how happy those army lads looked just to be hanging around the jeeps? Like, they were just lying, lying off, getting paid overtime probably to hang around with no need to do anything. Like, it was like, well, as, you, as Andy says, it's a siege, lads. We can't be going in. No, geez, you couldn't be doing that. Couldn't be doing that. We have to. We have to just sit here now and wait. We have to sit here. Neither you notice the tank. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> excessive. <laughs> what were they going to? Do? It's like, yeah, well, we get him out one way or the other. He's coming out dead or alive. We'll blow in the door. <laughs> Did they? Did they just? Did they not really know what the raw was back then? Like, and they just were like, "Geez, we might need tanks." Jeez, God, is there an army? The Irish Republican Army. There could be millions of them in that house. There's, def <laughs> there's definitely somebody in the uh, in the offices of the Minister for Defence who's like, whose job is to do the the, the write-offs for all of these expenses that the military have to do. And because we have a neutral country, we don't have to commission our soldiers to go elsewhere. So there's not really much to do. But the day the paperwork landed on his desk saying they needed the loan. To to buy a tank I'd say he jumped up I'd say he was like Gil trying to sell a car he's like oh boy I got this rubber <laughs> stamp <laughs> the, the, the standoff itself would last a further 17 days uh, the good doctor would it, it, the, the text came up and said the doctor communicated secretly with Gardy over the course of the siege was he like how do you communicate secretly to the outside either they had a, like two tin cans and a string or he was waving in the window going I'm over here 
it's yeah. me. You you could see him sticking his head out the window. And what I don't get is I did a bit of background research. And apparently they were they were holed up in the one room upstairs, the three of them, right? So the, uh, Dr. Harima and the two uh, the two Raheads. And like, how did, how is he secretly communicating when they're all in the same room? Like, have they both gone asleep on him? Because surely he could have just jumped out the window. Like, I presume they let him call the guards, like, as a kind of a, you know, yeah, just like, yeah like, ordering a pizza kind of thing. Like, <laughs> I'm just ordering chipper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd be it in the tank. Um, it's mad because I, 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 read up on, I read up on this, right? Because this fella, I don't know how to pronounce the name, but Tieta Herrema, fascinating character, right? So I did a little bit of background research on him, and he, uh, so he was obviously Dutch, right? And when the two, when the Eddie Coyle and um, what's the other, um, uh, sorry, Eddie Gallagher and Marion Coyle uh, yeah. kidnapped him, they thought he was German, <laughs> but he got really offended because he was in a concentration camp in World War Two because he was a Dutch <laughs> resistance fighter, right? So, <laughs> so they got off to a great start. But because he'd been in the concentration camp in World War Two, that's that's how he said he was able to get through the the thirty odd days, what was thirty five days in total that he was uh, that he was a prisoner. Um, and basically, yeah, they were holed up in this one room with no food or drink. And the uh, your man Eddie Gallagher apparently resorted to drinking his own piss through a blanket. Ah. <laughs> That's mank. I couldn't understand the the the, the physics of that, uh, but apparently, yeah, he, he pissed well, like it basically and like dripped it into his mouth as like some kind of Aww. primitive manner of like I don't know pasteurizing it or whatever the word is. Like yeah, just sure just didn't didn't uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. But then right, so so they 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 spoiler alert they got arrested and sentenced and uh he met he went and met both of them years after they were released from prison and like he actually had campaigned for reduced sentences and was like i think he's quoted at the end saying you know he kind of understands yeah. it he doesn't forgive them but he understands mad like mad um uh mad life story and he was made a freeman of limerick and an honorary irish citizen after this and he actually only died last year he was 99 oh wow yeah, so but at the time, funnily enough, he was like the biggest employer in Limerick as well. So it seems like an odd person to pick, like someone who has nothing to do with it, number one. And number two, someone who's like employing like Limerick City, a very big city in Ireland. All you're going to do is just piss off everyone in Limerick to your flight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have all of Limerick going down to, to where was this? Monster Evan. Monster Evan, yeah. What's the crack, lads? We need our wages. door. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm amused at the thought of somebody from the IRA like like your man is there and he's like right okay I've got no food I've got no water but I've been in a concentration camp I know that I can do this and he looks over and there's Eddie Gallagher pissing into a blanket and trying to suckle on it like a calf and and he's like you know I could teach you a thing or two never mind the piss has already hit the blanket I'm too far gone <laughs> but uh, I'm looking the moisture off this damp rag <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm glad. Um, I'm glad that uh, Dr. Harima uh, didn't go full Patty Hurst and uh, sympathize and then join him. Um, so he's, he said, yeah, as he said there, he said he understands the plight, can't forgive them, which is fair enough, but he understands the plight. Um, and up next, it's the favorite song of one father, Noel Furlong, uh, as I see a little silhouette of a man, Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the Fandango? Um, what a tune. Uh, as this year sees the release of Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, the initial release. Um, it wasn't, uh, allegedly, wasn't hugely popular when it was brought out and then re-released and then re-released again. and Just an absolute belter of a tune. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's up there, isn't it? I think it's studied in like, uh, you know, the, the, the subject of music in 
I don't know, leaving cert or, or whatever level. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a, I don't know a huge amount of music, but it's definitely a a, a very historic song. And uh, obviously, as the episode points out, uh, historic for having a music video as well, which uh, does look yeah. quite primitive, forty odd years on. It does. No, it certainly does. Um, and like it's I don't know if you've ever watched the film, but the, the film Bohemian Rhapsody, it just the amount of effort that it shows that that it was put in to this um to put into this video and to this uh, to the actual song itself. It is just a masterclass. But it's one of those songs you can't listen to all the time. It would just get so repetitive. But when it comes on, that's when the air guitar comes out. Yeah, <laughs> there's something for everyone in it. I'd say everyone likes, you know. I, I couldn't it. imagine someone saying, I despise Bohemian Rhapsody. Like. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's no friend of mine right there. And, um, <laughs> and uh, as it continues to play, we rock into Saigon as we see tanks rolling with palm trees on the front, like a souvenir for the family. Um, <laughs> Soviet forces invade the southern Vietnam capital. Poor Vietnam, they just can't catch a break. First the Yanks, now the Russians, like it's where it was outer space. Uh, we see many Vietnamese flee the city and even try to climb the walls of the U.S. embassy. You know things are bad when they're asking the Americans for help. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, in order to make space on an aircraft carrier, they're throwing away the good helicopters. Like... <laughs> It's just the way, and they, the way they even just push it in, like it's like it's like nothing, like a way is nothing, like into the sea you go. But what yeah, it, made me laugh about that whole situation was, as you're watching the program, the bridge from, we'll say, IRA steal the guy, give up, go to prison, then Bohemian Rhapsody music video, and then just as they get to the, just gotta get out, just gotta get right out of here. There's all these Vietnamese guys bursting to get onto a helicopter to get out from the siege of Saigon. It's the most perfectly timed transition of all. <laughs> yeah, it would have only been better with uh, "I Want to Break Free" by Queen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's. It, this is an episode. Actually, I noticed that. And I, we obviously we don't spend a huge amount of time talking about music just purely because we don't play it in the in, in our podcast episodes but it, the music in this episode is is really good and then also yeah really well um linked to the to the uh to the stories by and large yeah absolutely um and speaking of music um one two three four five six that's the safe cross code anyone know who the singer is singer of that song no idea no, no idea it's one brendan grace wow yep Brendan Grace, he's, he's uh, one of the things he was famous for before he became, a, you know, an all-time popular comedian. He was the one who kind of wrote the Safe Cross Code. Um, and a couple of things about this ad stick out. So obviously the government were sick of having to pay the council to peel children off the road. So uh, they launched this ad. Um, and also in the ad, the kids cross a road in the city, but when they're looking up and down, it's as country a road as I've ever seen as the car makes its yeah. way to them in 8-bit by the look of it. Um, what and, was that about? That was so strange. Like, why is it stop frame, like stop motion car? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> just have a video of the car coming down. Did it, did it stall? Like, did it, was it coming down the road and it just kept stalling and they were like, fuck it, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> and, or did the kids show up to film on that city street and there was just no cars on the street that day? Like, they just, they're waiting around for hours and not a fucking car comes. So someone just puts hands up and goes, look, I actually have footage of a car coming down a country road will just throw that in there. <laughs> That's definitely what it was. It was like, we spent all the money on these child actors uh, and your man playing the lollipop man. So can we just, <laughs> yeah. does anyone have a bit of old footage going spare of a car? 
<laughs> stock footage from the uh, the, the, the rally. Um, and the, the little girl presses the big yellow brick uh, button to cross the road. They still have these so in some places. Uh, you know, the big, like a lot of places now have the fancy, like, circular button. And oh, yeah, the LED it, stuff. The yeah. LED stuff. No, some places, like, I think in Limerick, I want to say Limerick, I was definitely somewhere in the last five years, and I saw one of those, and I purposefully crossed the road just to have a look at it, because they're like... They're, they're, they're almost just like an antique at this stage. <laughs> and um, Gas, I, I actually, I have a confession to make. I learned the safe cross code through this episode of Reeling in the Ears. As in like just just yesterday? Or like, no, as in like, uh, as you know, Kieran, I'm, I, I am a Reeling in the Ears nerd. And this yeah. is one of the episodes I've probably seen the most times for whatever reason. Maybe it was one of the first ones I had recorded back in the day. But uh, this song, like I sing it to my daughter when we cross the road. Ah. And it's from this episode. I've never heard it anywhere. Not really heard it anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think I really learned it in school because I, I went to primary school in a very rural location where there were no cars really. Actually, oh. very reminiscent of that country road, um, <laughs> but without the car coming down and <laughs> kind of stop starts. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, so I don't remember learning it in school, but I know I learned it from this episode of uh, of reading in the years. See, just uh, like the rural Ireland code crossing where it's like. Chances, <laughs> yeah. Just there hasn't been a car through in three days. I think you're all right. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You're the tractor coming, and there probably won't be a car. So yeah. <laughs> the road's narrow anyway. You'll be over in no time. <laughs> well, that that oh, actually the road for what's over there that isn't here. <laughs> that actually makes me it makes me laugh because I just imagine like you Simon at like twenty hours years of age, and you're like. I don't. I can't cross the road. I. I don't. I don't know the safe cross code. Then you sit down and watch an episode of Real in the Years, and you're like, I can do it. I yeah, I had never. I had never crossed the road until I turned 25 and watched this episode <laughs> of Real in the Years a couple of years ago. <laughs> He's like, what did you do before you knew the code? Do you know, it never really impeded my life. <laughs> no, I just stayed on the right hand side of the road the whole time. Yeah, that's it. Walked in a square. I wonder, like, you know, when cars become electric now and they're far quieter and stuff, like, are they going to have to read, like, well, look and listen? Like, well, you're not going to hear the fucking thing coming. Like, what's what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, that is actually a good point because you never hear those fucking things coming. Um, like, the, I th- like the, the, you don't hear them coming, right? And I, I see them the whole time around, but I never see any of those ESB charging points being used. Like, never. <laughs> The amount of times I've mistaken them for a pay, like a, a car parking machine, ticket tick machine, but I've never seen one of those in use. They're like phone boxes, like you just they're there, but you never see them being used. <laughs> and um, up next, then Jack Lynch says it's all good between himself and Charlie High. Uh, five years after the arms scandal, and Charlie is seen taking a very lonely stroll on the beach for some reason. Poor Charlie. Poor, like, lonely Poor Charlie. little Charlie. Yeah, as he's welcomed back to the good side, um, <laughs> a.k.a. the front bench. Um, where the Fianna Fáil front bench. Yeah. Where good side, yes. Where, where he's given a horse, as is tradition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like what you get on joining Fianna Fáil. You take the stroll on the beach, and when you come back, we have the horse ready for you. Isn't, isn't it gas when he says uh, he has no time for people who get power and are content with the trappings oh, yeah. and then the next scene is him in his gigantic mansion yeah. that he somehow is, is affording on his backbencher salary like it's like 1975 like how did people not know like how did he get away with it for 20 years they just made him out to be like so pitied like as a victim yeah. of, of Fianna Fáil party politics yeah. <laughs> later to become the absolute king of it like <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> obviously just didn't give enough brown envelopes coming into the party at the start. I, th- I think what we've seen really is the, is the inspiration for Scarface when you think about it. Like, I mean, it came from nothing, you know, then then got somewhere, then it all came from under him and there was money involved, there was guns involved. It's I think Scarface would make a better film if it was rewritten with Charlie Hawhey instead. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, across the pond, everyone run. This massive cunt will devour us all. The, conser- oh. the Conservatives gets a new leader, and it's Maggie Thatcher. Uh, she succeeds Ted Heath and becomes the first female to lead a political party. And she asks for time in which to do her job properly. So that's that's it. That's the start of it. Now we've got Maggie Thatcher now for the next 10 or so years. Before yeah, John Major comes. gas, because later on we have clips of people talking about... Um, you know, hopefully a brighter future in Northern Ireland. I think Jerry Fitt at the end of the episode is talking about a brighter future in Northern Ireland. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not funny is the wrong word, but like, it's, it's very telling that this is the episode where Maggie, Maggie Thatcher becomes conservative leader. And you're like, well, something's about to come around the corner that is going <laughs> to set that back by about 15 years. Yep. Something is definitely going to come around the corner and it's in the form of Maggie Thatcher. Um, yeah. So that's, I'm like, we're waiting for the, uh, the day when uh, John Major just swings down and saves us all from this tyranny, but that's another that's another ten plus years on the way, um, and it's out of that fever dream and into the next one. It's two lads, uh, two lads in matching powder blue suits as the Swarbrigs uh, represent yeah. Ireland in the Eurovision with their song "That's What Friends Are For." Clearly, friends are to tell you when you're wearing a shit suit, but these lads didn't get the memo, like. Fucking hell! I know fashion was different in the seventies. <laughs> my God, those powder blue suits! Nobody would have ever thought they were a good idea. Here, and if you if you um, ever wanted to know where the inspiration for Ted and Dougal's oh there you have it uh, Euro oh. song outfits are, it's these two lads. Without a doubt. When you look at them side by side, like the the, the it's the same blue that they uh, Ted and Dougal wear blue shiny jackets over their priest uh, uniform over their priest collar and the blue is the exact same as these lads and it's very clearly a, a piss take of these two oh, gombeans who are like it's a terrible song oh it's awful they're putting the like they're put, like, putting the some welly into it like the swarbrigs like what even is that <laughs> <laughs> who sets up a band is like what are we going to call ourselves the swar- maybe if you were like a heavy metal band or something, like something kind of violent, swore breeze. I took it that that was the family name. Do we think that's just a band name? I like I've never in my life heard of anybody being called the Swarbrigs. Like you know, like as a family, like Johnny Swarbrick. I've <laughs> never heard of that. In I my think life. his name was Jimmy Swarbrick. One of these fellas. You're kidding. Jimmy's oh really? I think so, yeah. his name. Holy shit! I've just, I think it is. Yeah. I have just looked it up. There's it's Tommy and Jimmy Swarbrick. Uh, sorry, they 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 went back to the Eurovision in '77 after this shit show. Did they? Yeah, I'm just reading this Wikipedia page. Oh my I should God. have done this last yeah, night. Yeah, we should have done this. They went oh. back as as the Swarbrigs plus two in 1977. Oh my God! If you're reading the same Wikipedia article I'm reading, the last line in it is the brothers were attributed as the inspiration for the My Lovely Horse music video. There you go. Oh yeah, because the video. I think the I think they actually did a video for this song, and it's like the My Lovely Horse video, oh. like the My Lovely Horse, like them. It's it's a piss take of the video. I think that's right. I think I've seen that before. Again, probably should have done more research. But uh, like, so I'm gonna see if I can bring this up. <laughs> oh, I think because I, I, I think I think I've seen us seen something like that. Oh man, if I can find this. Uh, what's oh, the song called? That's, that's what, what friends, friends are, are for. I'm actually looking. 
I'll play it silently in the background. Yeah, I've actually more like old woman wholesomeness, like isn't it? That's what friends are for. They're on horses. Oh my god, it's the truth. I found the video. Hold on. Oh, there are horses. Oh my god, I'm totally putting this up on the Twitter page. I like they're playing snooker together. Oh like, my God. They're, they're, they're in the pool, the pool scene. This is like <laughs> the <next scene. laughs> They're in the pool. They're, that's the exact scene. They're throwing the ball and everything. This is, I. oh my God, this is brilliant. Oh, oh my God, I can't believe we stumbled on this. this Anyone listening gold. needs to go and Google this video. Oh, it's on YouTube. 100%. It is fucking brilliant. Oh my God. That's so He's good. teaching a woman how to play golf. Oh, oh my God. That's well, good. singing, that's what friends are for, and then touching her shoulder inappropriately. This is, <laughs> of all this the is things, brilliant. Of all the things that they could have taken the piss out of, like there was hundreds of Eurovision entries, I'm sure, well, not hundreds, but dozens of Eurovision entries over the years that could have done with a swift piss taken. But this one takes the biscuit. This one, <laughs> this one like... takes the swore brisket. <laughs> I feel like RT missed a trick not putting a clip from the video in this episode like why show them singing at the Eurovision when you could show like a minute of that video it would probably just be an insult to the two boys I'd say to be honest <laughs> you think they're like, uh, like no friends to Peter E are listening by some misfortunate accident <laughs> we just lost two listeners um, but I just I, I really want to know the history behind that like I want to know did they record the song do the video then go to the Eurovision or did they go to the Eurovision with the song and then they said right lads we had all of this money stashed away for your big tour when you won but um Sorry, we're going to have to spend it on a video instead. And they just went, right, we're going out to the pitch and put course. We're going out to the local rec center uh, for a swim. Uh, we'll shoot some pool and go for a stroll. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Perfect production meeting. Um, just follow us for the day. Like. <laughs> and um, so this actually leads me to our segment here. So, uh, Andy, this is uh, your first time on the show. So this is going to be me introducing this segment to you. So this is called Pop Quiz. So basically, I will uh, ask you a question and I want to know the answer. Simple enough. Um, Simon tends to be pretty jammy with these. So uh, the question is relatively easy. So it's not too difficult, but you just have to give it your all. So today's Pop Quiz... is where did we come in this contest with this shocking number? So the Swarbriggs singing, that's what friends are for, for our Eurovision entry for 1975. So Andy, I'm gonna start with you. Any guesses as to where we came? It's probably better than we'd give it credit for. I think maybe fourth or fifth place. Okay, good guess, good guess. Simon, what do you reckon? Um, so I'm just going to come straight out and tell you that I know the answer to this. Oh, man. <laughs> which is which I haven't for any of our previous pop quizzes. Okay, um, I'm gonna. I'll tell you what. I'll stop you right there. Then I have another. I was going to give it as a bonus bonus one if you could guess. Kieran, do you want to know why I know the answer? Oh Lord, go on. It's in the episode of Reading in the Ears. What? One of the lines says they come ninth with the song. <laughs> oh fuck! Oh god damn it! Okay, okay, change of plan, change of plan. Today's pop quiz, right, Andy, you get a second lease of life here. How many points did they get? Have a guess. What, when they were playing snooker or for the company? <laughs> in the pool. <laughs> in the pool. In the, in, the, in the contest. So we know they came ninth, thanks to Simon. Uh, so Thanks to... The per- maker of the episode. I, I totally missed that. Like I, I literally went back. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't pick up on that either. To be fair, now I was just laughing at the name and the ridiculousness of the oh, song. Oh, I have it in my notes. Okay, <laughs> you must. Yeah, you to must. be fair, the colors would distract you. 
Well, there you go. Oh, I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. The shine off. I wonder if they still have them. Just open the wardrobe every so often. Like, at what point in the 70s did people go, no, enough is enough. You need to rein in the size of the collars on your shirts because this, like, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it came with an extra ironing fee from the dry cleaners for so long. <laughs> but uh, if you if you were to take a shot in the dark, Andy, how many points would you say that they got? Jeez, uh, I would have it. How much is like the maximum points one could get at the Eurovision? Just to give me some bit of a dig out here. Well, so every country, so every country, obviously the max one country can give you is twelve, and then there was yeah. let's say I'm not sure how many countries participated, but back then it was like was I would have thought it was less than twenty. Oh, there was because there was the all big like none of the little oh, yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of Eastern so ex-Soviet yeah. countries and Eastern well, European I'll, countries. I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Right. So uh, we know Ireland came ninth. So the Netherlands came first, and they got 152 points. So if you want to use that for a frame of reference, 65. Okay. Okay, Simon. What do you think? Or do you know the answer already? I don't know the answer to this I one. Hate. No, I didn't Google this. Okay. Um, oh. Yeah, I think I actually think Andy, that's a good shout from Andy, kind of mid sixties range. If the Dutch got that much to win, I I'll say seventy. Oh, okay, so, so right, okay, so those are your answers. We got them locked in. So the answer is sixty-eight points. Oh, right in the middle. Yeah, Ooh. smack bang, exactly <laughs> in the middle. Sixty-eight points. Um, it's a miracle that they got sixty-eight points because that 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 song. It, it's actually. One of the, I think it's genuinely one of the worst ones we've ever sent, and I'm including Dustin the Darkie in that. Yeah, and like, I mean, that means a lot of countries gave us something. Yeah, that's a. I am sure it was just like a legacy thing. They were so used to any year we win, and <laughs> they just pick up the phone without realizing. <laughs> yeah, they're just giving us out of habit, like. Yeah, the Brits, the Brits probably gave us stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, it's the only thing they ever did. Um, so, but uh, up next, we get an announcement in what looks like a live shot of Dev. However, the announcer informs us they regret to inform us of his passing. But like, is that him? Because that do- that looks more like a fo- that doesn't look like a photo. It looks like an actual live video footage. <laughs> it's like they brought De Valera in studio to inform Dev that he's actually dead. Before he died, he's just on the hospital bed. Makeup team, come in. Do you want real quick camera into a little office? I'm dead, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was just marveling at the the world's deepest voiced announcer announcing oh. this death. Like this, it's that. Like, is it Charles Mitchell? The voice is just unbelievably yeah, deep and gravelly. Morris O'Darty. I have it down as um. Oh, Morris O'Darty. Deep throat himself, Morris O'Darty. <laughs> uh, yeah, some news reading, wasn't it? Jesus Christ! Um, he tells us he died. Don't make him like that anymore, Andy. No, oh, they do not. Jesus, you got the news then. I'll tell you. <laughs> you, you did. Um, Morris O'Darty tells us he died of a cold. Uh, not a doctor, but, um, you know, might be a little bit more than just a cold. Um, but uh, what a life, though. Leader of the rising Taoiseach and then president. So um, and, he, and he died at a, an old age as well. You know, so might I say, Karen, that his the years it says they're Taoiseach for 21 years and president for yeah. 14. That they're Putin numbers. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, right. like, you know, no one can be Taoiseach for 21 years anymore. Well, I mean, oh. I suppose theoretically it could be, but no one is doing that. Well, yeah, no, no, as, no one's doing a good enough job to do that. Uh, as Roger said last week, uh, our guest last week said, uh, you know, Dev was the closest we got to a dictator. I think it was, I think it was Roger said that maybe it was week before. But uh, yeah, he, he 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 had power for a long time. 
He did, and he made questions, like people like to kind of gloss over it, but he did make an awful lot of questionable decisions while he was in power as well. <laughs> yeah, but he, towards the end, he's definitely... But like towards the end, he just looked like such a gentle old man that, you know, it was like ash or look. Um, but I was quite thrown back by like just the, the, the fact that the, 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 the initial thing just looked like a film of Dev. And I was like, oh, there's Dev. Oh, wait, he's dead. And um, he was, yeah, they, they didn't really go into the, the nature of his death, but that he he had a cold and then he got worse and then he died. <laughs> um, so so Morris might have a great voice, but he's not really good at the actual news part of the news. <laughs> <laughs> they were light in detail in 1975 they didn't you know they just gave you the headline that was it they definitely handed him like i could imagine an intern walking into like a smoke-filled room and handing like handing the paper to, to morris o'doherty and he looks at it and he goes a cold a fucking cold are you kidding me <laughs> very good impression of morris thank you thank you my throat hurts a little yeah i like that um Meanwhile, in London, uh, the IRA are back at it. Uh, they take two people hostage in a flat in Balcom Street. Uh, the four gunmen demand safe passage to Ireland, but the Bobbies are having none of their shit as they just point blank refuse and the lads surrender after six days without incident. Uh, not much detail on this one, just they took the hostages and then demanded safe passage to Ireland. Could they not have just gotten the boat without taking the hostages or <laughs> just at least give it a go like <laughs> I don't know I mean look you know we saw in last week's episode that the uh, the Brits were whipping lads off trains and accusing them of all sorts so maybe they maybe they fancy their chances of trying to, to stage a bit of a, a siege and get free passage that way like you'd imagine like it would have been easier to smuggle yourself into Ireland than it would be to take two people hostage in an apartment block in fucking what was it London or wherever it was yeah, it's um, it's definitely one way to cause a scene before you I, leave the country. And I don't think I, I, what I, what I gave from this episode was that the Rao were very bad at reading the room, like as in like yeah. in both cases here. So in the in the first one, the abduction of Doctor Herma, like they, when I was reading up on it, it was like basically they just assumed that the Irish government and his wife would like be like, yeah, pay the ransom, get him back. And uh, both <laughs> Liam Cosgrave and and Mrs. Herma were like absolutely do not give it yeah. <laughs> like so they just they just ended up sitting in a house drinking their piss for 35 days or whatever and then in this one it seems like the exact same thing where they've gone this will definitely work i can't see any flaw in this plan and then the police just the english police went no just stay in the flat until you have nothing left to eat and you have to come out and that's pretty much just ran out of bog roll after the <laughs> London flats are small you'll get sick of each other eventually <laughs> they'll shit themselves out before we have to do anything <laughs> but like at least when you look at the footage of that you know you can see at the back of the flat they have things set up they're monitoring it there's an interview with someone and they have like a drawing of the room and like where the stuff is you get a feeling like that they could maybe send in like a special forces and fucking, I don't know, down an alleyway or something and actually get in there and retrieve someone or do something. If they really had to, they could, which you just didn't get from the other one in Monster Evan where there's six Land Rovers parked up on a green and a fella looking there with binoculars going, he's in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very much a, a contrast there of like what an actual organised police force and, and <laughs> army unit looks like compared to the uh, the Ireland of the 70s. Yeah, it's, it's gas to imagine like, you know, your man breaks into the flat and like, 
the, the cops are just like, no, we're not giving you demands. And he's like, well, I better start drinking the piss. They're like, we've been here four hours, okay? <laughs> <laughs> there's water in the, there's still water in the fridge. <laughs> it's like, we have a running tap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've actually still got the shopping. We only did the shopping two days ago. Like, there's food in there. Actually, last couple of days. That's what I'd like to know. When um, your man Gallagher was in the house in Monaster Evan, did it, if it's a working council estate, did it not have a tap? Or did they? They must have shut the water off. Surely, they, uh, I think they shut the water off as part of the siege. And the, yeah. I don't. I never understood why they were barricaded themselves in the one room. In that in that instance, uh, it didn't a whole house that. Just yeah, make it, it more ex- uncomfortable to stay there. Like, <laughs> know, did, like, was there just one guard downstairs being like, "You better not come down the stairs." <laughs> 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 just with his feet up, couch on the you know feet up on the coffee table, just kind of like this. Yeah. Well, afraid they'd fall asleep, and your man had crawled up the chimney to get away yeah. or something. <laughs> But uh, we, um, <clears throat> but they after the um, six days they surrender without incident, and in in keeping with this, uh, sort of the, the IRA and the North and all the trouble with the, the Bobbies and all that. Um, after four years internment without trial ends, as the last detainees are released from the Maze Prison, uh, the previous law enabled police to lock anyone up under suspicion without the right to a trial. And we get a great shot of one of the detainees with the old father Jack salute, uh, just going. Like, burr, burr. I just love how long he kept it up. Like as soon as he saw the camera, the whole way. Like it's like I don't know, a thirty second clip, and he's just giving the V's the whole way out the door. But like nowadays, fingers out that van that they're all in. Yeah. <laughs> nowadays on RT like if they're interviewing somebody on scene and somebody happens to catch it walk past and like walks up to the camera like if Trees of Manion's out giving out shit about the weather and some fella comes they cut away straight away and they're like we're very sorry for that you know blah 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 but this they just kept the camera on him and it was like you know this is how they feel like a lot of lads shoved in a van and I think they were shouting something I didn't get what it was um, I thought it was Brits out or something like that but then it just got overtaken by your man just like, Whoa! <laughs> like, like, just like there's some, one other fella like real eloquently spoken in the van they were ready to do an interview with him got completely cut off by your man going say <laughs> Seamus I told you not to stick the V's up at the window <laughs> Um, but um, on a, on a, in a, suppose a more a darker note, uh, in, in Wexford, uh, a horrible tragedy unfolds as a Dublin to Rosslare train derails in which five people died and a couple of men give their reaction to the events. It's not something that, that happens very often. And I mean, like internationally, like you always hear about, you know, airplanes crashing and cars crashing and whatever. Very rare for that does, does a train go off the line. Yeah, it's and it's mad. The, the story of this, um, Kieran, is that essentially what happened was uh, there was a tractor driving down the road under the railway bridge, and it had an excavator on the back of it, or was pulling an excavator, and it it hit the railway bridge, which apparently was old and in kind of uh, you know kind of rot rotting rotten wood, kind of propping it up and stuff. So it knocked it loose. It didn't knock. It didn't obviously knock the bridge down, but it it knocked away the support so that if a train, you know, the weight of a train came over it, it was going to cause an issue. So uh, the fella in the who was farming the adjoining field ran over to the railway about 400 yards up and tried to and, and flagged the train down. The driver saw him and jammed on the brakes, but it was far too late, and uh, and the train derailed. But um, that same field, the, the, the farmhouse up the top of it, there was a, a, an older couple, and it was one of their sons who had flagged them down. So they brought in some of the the walking wounded as the driver called them and gave them tea you know and, and kind of yeah. looked after them and uh, when the train driver went back to work years later and drove that or 
you know, uh, rode the rail the same route. Um, he would honk his horn or beep the horn or whatever you call it with a train uh, four or five times every time he f- passed the farmhouse to let Mrs. Hill was her name to let her know he was thinking of her and to thank her for her kindness, which is a nice little story oh, off the back of it. Yeah. That is actually, that's quite nice. I'd imagine the driver would have needed to take a little bit of time off after something like that. But that's, I, I know, I mean, she probably didn't appreciate it when she was lying in bed at one in the morning. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's driving that last, that last Dublin to Rossler, Rossler to Dublin train at 10 in the evening and she's not enough. <laughs> well, I was surprising about that though. I mean, they were interviewing people probably relatively shortly after it happened. And they're in, I presume it probably was that farmhouse or whatever. But anyone they interviewed, they were like, I was making a lot of noise, but we thought things were normal. <laughs> <laughs> like how, how sound guarded are the trains? Like that you think you think you'd be aware of them like you know, I mean, obviously, if you're in the back carriage, you know, you're going to be the last one to flip over or whatever. But, you know, you'd imagine that it'd be making a shockingly more amount of noise. And this trains back then were just really, really noisy anyway. Well, it's, it's quite possible. But your man did say that he was having a cup of tea and then things started flying all over the place. So uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd certainly look at that and think, well, that's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> you're upside down all of a sudden. <laughs> this seems strange. <laughs> I've never, never had this before. I specifically said no upside down on my ticket. Um, <laughs> but uh, up next, Agony Aunt Angela McNamara from the Irish Press gives her thoughts on loneliness in Ireland as she's shown reading her letters in bed over a cup of tea. Uh, she says there's nothing being done in boys' school to help boys with emotions. I went to an all-boys school, Angela, and let me tell you, it was pretty fucking emotional. Um, she's uh, pretty much criticising the response to helping boys deal with their emotions. Well, you know, staying in bed in the middle of the day and reading letters isn't exactly emotionally good either, Angela. No, and that, that scene, like, was obviously set up. Oh, totally. Yeah, and, and late, like, there's another little bit of footage and she's just in a school speaking. <laughs> but it kind of goes back to her like reading the letter in bed like she had to get like she, someone had to get the letters for her she hardly like got up took the letters off the postman and went back up to bed to read them like it's just it's just to make her seem kind of more innocent I suppose I don't know but it was just really strange yeah it would have been gas now if like she's in the middle of reading the letters while they're filming and like, you just see the husband like roll out of bed like you know, scratching his hole. <laughs> just like, what the fuck, what the fuck is filming at this hour? <laughs> Pulling the underwear out of his arse kind of thing. <laughs> um, but speaking of uh, delusional women, Dana up next. Um, with <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> with, thank you. With, uh, please tell him I said hello. Uh, we would, but he's a boy and doesn't know how to handle his emotions, apparently. Um, yeah. I, th- I think we can safely say after two musical acts that sequins are in style. Um, <laughs> the sparklier the better it's a very sparkly goon altogether that's it like maybe if you wear something shiny it'll distract from how shit your songs are yeah. well she took a long time with that remember when she won yeah. the Eurovision in 1970 and that reporter asked her straight off the plane have you got any follow-ups she took her time five she years did. that was exactly what I was thinking there she came back with a bang um Probably saw the other two boys being cat and was like, Jesus, I can surely give it a better go than that. Yeah, every every shit Eurovision entry after Dana just made her look slightly better. Yeah, she, uh, she didn't want to do a music video though because nobody wants to play golf with Dana. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, the an RTE drama looks into the fear of flying, or as they call it here, air phobia. Uh, the proper the proper name is aviophobia, but I love how they call it. You know, R air phobia like that's not a thing you don't call it air phobia like you don't call arachnophobia spider phobia you know you just 
ah, get your shit together, RT. But the, the documentary follows four volunteers as we watch them all shit themselves for a laugh. One man has a panic attack in his seat while Maeve Binchy rabbits on to the man next to her who finds this whole thing just hilarious. I, can, I, can, I was imagining like people watching I was imagining a Homer Simpson style figure watching this on the TV in 1975 and just shitting himself as if it was man getting hit in the groin by football like <laughs> laughing as uh, as these lads like no joke that fella Henry Kelly looks like he's about to spontaneously combust with the fear like these the poor have fella. a genuine fear and the, and the show is just basically like <laughs> look at these idiots huh? <laughs> there was no no PC like oh we, we should probably monitor them and make sure they're, they're feeling okay and feeling safe and feeling secure it was just like stick them on an airplane stick them in their worst nightmare and just train <laughs> a camera on them and we'll get great gas out of this lads <laughs> But again, again, it's that era where it's like, right, we need to come up with some original content programming. But it's like, it's just not done properly. It, you know, it'll be like these days doing like uh, like Ireland's version of like The Biggest Loser or something. And like getting somebody who's like morbidly obese, putting them on like a hundred meter track and saying, right, do a few laps. Like you have to ease into these things. It doesn't just, you know, it's not like you put them on the plane and it's like, right, let's see what happens. People have died. You know, people can have heart attacks. And poor, <laughs> you know, your man Kelly looked like he was about to, to, to have one. And oh, um, may have been she was going on the pure cocaine ramble. Yeah. Did you see? Did you see that Father Stone was sitting beside Maeve? <laughs> so obviously your man—I don't know who the fella with the sunglasses that she was ch- kind of talking to, take oh, her mind off. The, the, lad, on the, the, window, the yeah. lad on the other side by the window is Father Stone. <laughs> it <has laughs> Father. Yeah. It's, it's, if you have a picture, if you have the video up there, have a look. I must actually, yeah, that because I did cop that he was like, he was like a fellow who just wanted to go about his business, and they were filming and like made Vinci shit on, and he's like, I had to pick this seat, didn't I? And because yeah, that's what this is, is this London for some important meeting? Yeah, Meanwhile, like these two people are having a shit attack next. To <laughs> <laughs> like the poor fellow, just like he's just trying to trying to get through the flight, like yeah, he's like. <laughs> pushing the bell going uh stewardess stewardess can i switch seats um but now that you mentioned it's father stone like i just think that's terrific like it like the plane just starts to take a nosedive it's like oh we're all gonna die no i'm fine yeah <laughs> no i'll stay where i am father stone you not want to get out the emergency exit no i'll stay where i am <laughs> yeah i'm all right thanks um but in keeping with Aer Lingus, um, hostesses get new uniforms, mm. clearly modelled after the French Foreign Legion, um, with the fucking size of the beret. Like, the old uniforms made it look like, uh, I don't know, Jesus, made it look like colour hadn't been invented yet. Um, but these ones, while, while they do look nice, um, I mean, they're no, they're no uh, Air Dubai hostesses, but Jesus, the berets, like, I thought they were a bullet out of Kalashnikov. But it seems like it seems timely. It seems like they were doing this documentary. I should have looked up the dates to be precise, but it seems like they were doing this documentary in around the same time Aer Lingus were getting new uniforms. That maybe the documentary was just one big they do the documentary and then just when it'll be out of the public's mind about flying again, it'll be on the news that Aer Lingus are after getting new uniforms. It's just all one big elaborate ad for Aer Lingus. <laughs> Until Ryanair came along and stole all the great marketing ideas. I, I just feel like having a piece in this episode where we see Aer Lingus's new uniforms tells you that there was a slow news year in 1975. Wow. Once the RAS stopped, stopped abducting people, there wasn't much going on. Yeah. Now, if they abducted an air hostess, then we would have had a double barrel one there. That would have been oh, fuck. Fun. Yeah, they should have They should have just adopted some good looking young one. Like There would have been more <laughs> done. Instead, they just got some old rich fella. 
<laughs> Again, they're at the Ra, need to read the room. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we get a celebration next as the new TD for Mayo West is elected. And by Christ, how young does Enda Kenny look, huh? Oh, it's just brilliant, isn't it? Like, but even as a young man, he still sounds like an old fella. <laughs> he, 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 age, like he physically aged, but I mean, he obviously was like born with the mental age he had always because even then as you know he does just like he speaks the exact same way he used the same turn of phrase everything as someone in his whatever he was late 20s maybe 30s to when oh, he was fucking t-shirt he looked 17 in this like he looked yeah. so baby-faced yeah he was very young. i never actually looked up how young he was but considering he was you know he was t-shirt up till what 2016 20 like middle of what, four or five years ago so like and that's so like 40 years after this he's Taoiseach so like he, he must yeah. have been he's, he was, he, in his very early 20s he uh, was born like, in 1951 so he would have been 24 geez, he just, I wouldn't have put 24 on him now no, <laughs> he hasn't filled, quite, filled, quite filled out yet <laughs> no, he's a, he it just goes to show the advantage of party politics in rural Ireland like once you just get in with the party no matter what age you are, you'll inevitably be voted in. Yeah. And if you do do a shitty enough job, you'll be there forevermore. And if you just keep weaseling around, eventually you'll be Taoiseach. <laughs> yeah, but he looks like he borrowed his dad's suit. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, not, it's not very well fitted on him. Like, no, he wore the same one to his Debs like five years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it's gas. Like, he's just... Um, and like, of course, he's most famous for his Ian Rodenda documentary series, which is on TV oh, at the moment. Bro. Have either of you oh, seen yeah. this? No, I haven't actually. Somehow, he has some dirt on somebody in RTE, and <laughs> he's convinced them to let him make a series. And I haven't watched it, but I've just read about it, where he just rides trains around Ireland. <laughs> like, I, good God, they'll actually put anybody on that channel, won't they? <laughs> like. like <laughs> It's the most random thing in the world. And like, I don't know. I know. I, like, he must have dirt on somebody in there. Oh, he has to. But I mean, look, it, it, it's, it is slightly refreshing because if there's one thing I'm sick of seeing, sick to death of seeing, it's, hey, let's take two slightly relevant comedians and send them to America and let's see how they get on there. We get it. America's a weird place. Ha ha. But to put Enda Kenny on a train... I would just, I'd, but I'd love to just see it from start to finish. Like, I'd love to see Enda waiting in line at the train station, getting hassled at Connolly for a euro for, like, some homeless fella wants to, or hostel. Like, you know, getting stuck next to the drunk fella on the dart. Just the whole lot. I just think it's he's like Mr. Burns on the bus. I'm on a bus. <laughs> Aren't you that guy that everyone hates? <laughs> oh, I know, I'm Enda Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, and uh, like he's and uh, nothing says trendy like young Enda Kenny. Oh, totally not. Oh, this is locks. this is father trendy before father trendy was a thing. This is uh, <laughs> like he, he yeah the locks and the tr- and, and he he's kind of boasting about this tremendous reception he's got got from the young people of Mayo. And I'm like, you've literally got in because your last name is Kenny, and the lad who yeah. seen it was was probably called Kenny before that. Yeah, but not only that, but in the last episode we saw that again emigration was a huge problem for the West. So what young people, like what young person said, I can go to America or I can stick around and vote Fianna Fáil. Pat Rabbit, probably. That's about, <laughs> that's about it. Um, but um, up next following, it's rousing success. Seems, see, I can I cannot pronounce it. Seemsha Tira opens its Chuck Seemsha this year. Uh, basically a theatre training camp, but it's promoted by 
the Bishop of Kerry, a.k.a. the running villain of reeling in the years. Ladies and gentlemen, I have waited for this moment for so long. It's Eamon. Casey, how's the sun? <laughs> Eamon's back. Eamon's back. Oh, I, I love Eamon Casey. He is just... He's like this is this is two inspirations from Father Ted now that we've seen. We've seen the, the My Lovely Horse inspiration, and now we've seen the inspiration behind Bishop Brennan and that whole scandal. It's good to have you back, Eamon. Um, yeah, we missed we missed him. We missed him over the last few years. He was briefly in it when he wasn't he briefly in it, maybe late sixties when he got when he got not elected. What's the word? I guess promoted to uh, declared bishop or whatever. Yeah, right? whatever it was. Yeah, he was briefly in it, but I, uh, I, I but, don't think that was him because I remember the the, the, the time that this came up uh, when when that when that happened on that episode, we made comment about the fact. Uh, that the man who he was elected from bishop to, to to like a cardinal or something, but he he sounded like Bishop Brennan. So I'd be interested. Oh to yeah, go, yeah. Oh no, but there name. was there was a clip of a very brief clip of Casey in one of the late sixties episodes when he came into Kerry, but I just don't remember mm. much about it. I must go back actually and have a look. Um, and then uh, actor Ray McNally says something, but all I can think is mole, mole, moly, moly, mole. <laughs> <laughs> it was right in my face. Like I was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't, I can't hear what this man is saying. Um, poor Ray. Poor Ray. Sorry, Ray, if you're listening. <laughs> um, a, a third musical performer next as Fran O'Toole sings, you, uh, Can't You Understand? And um, we were going so well with our colour footage as well. Uh, and now we've got black and white. So thanks a lot, Fran. Uh, the lead singer of the Miami show band sings his song in front of a big picture of himself. Talk about cool. Um, <laughs> and in the next scene, then we're shown utter devastation. As we're told, the band were returning from a gig in County Down and were ambushed by the UVF. And as a result, three members of the band would die, including Fran himself. Um, as a large crowd turns out to say or to say farewell, the, so yeah, the death yeah. of the Miami show band is one of the biggest, uh, more known tragedies of the Troubles, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it is, and there's there's a couple of excellent um, documentaries on it actually recently. There's a really good Netflix one um, with yeah. um, one of the surviving members whose name is, is it Stephen. I can't remember his name. I should have looked at it, but uh, uh, it kind of, you know, but it, it, it goes through the whole history of the Troubles and it's kind of for an American audience, but it's very, very uh, good. And then there's actually a really good radio documentary which features Fran O'Toole's children who are really young when he died and their mother emigrated with them to Canada. So they've grown up in Canada and didn't really know too much about him and it kind of features them um, coming back to Bray where, where Fran O'Toole was from and uh, meeting their their kind of their family who they wouldn't know their Irish family who they wouldn't know terribly well it's a very interesting radio documentary actually I'd recommend it oh there you go you can have a listen to it after Aaron Rodenda or uh, you know which, whatever yeah exactly that's your whole night done like listen to this podcast watch Aaron Rodenda <laughs> Listen yeah, yeah. to that document, radio documentary. It's more of a watch list than a podcast. We're just here telling you things that you should yeah. see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, other other media you should consume after you consume ours. After exactly after. Just get ours in, but <laughs> watch these. But just definitely get ours in. Yeah, yeah. That, the other ones are optional. There you have it. And uh, in, in keeping with tragedy, an unarmed guard is shot dead in Kilesser after a bank robbery was foiled. Uh, guard Michael Reynolds is the 16th guard to die in active duty. That's a lot considering that the actual guardie Shiakana had only been had been established so, what, 50 something years maybe? 50 years, yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. That's, that's 16 is quite a lot to die in active duty. Um, and Jesus, the uh, the amount of guards on duty that showed out for his funeral—it was just—it's endless. 
Oh yeah, endless line. Them. This is this is a mad story because he was actually off duty and he's he was out with his family. Like he was just driving through Colester, I think it is, or wherever. Um, and the getaway driver from the bank robbery nearly hit the car, and he, oh. he he chases them. Then when they get out of the car, and he caught one of them in Saint Anne's Park in Rohini. Um, so they ran into the park, and he caught up with one of them, caught him, like pinned him down to the ground. And when they when he wouldn't release them, one of them shot him. Oh, that's how he that's actually how he that's actually how he died um which i didn't know i just I, after having seen this uh this clip i just had, I looked it up but yeah madness and one of his coffin bears i don't know if you noticed this right the guy at the front left of the coffin has the squarest jaw you'll ever see <laughs> if you found some bit of humor in the death of a guard it's, yeah look you know there's not much humor out of this but this fella he's like he's like stan smith from american dad <laughs> it's that level of jaw like the, the, the crimson chin Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. It's it's it's, it's oh, fuck. That's uh yeah. See, like I said, sixteen is is um is is an awful lot, and and obviously a, a well respected member of Angarda Shigana with with the, the crowd that turned out. But on a light hearted note, uh, Mike Murphy is out and about with his candid camera show, hassling owl ones going door to door, uh, pawning his washing off on some unsuspecting lady as she's gobsmacked by the notion. Fucking hell, balls of steel! You'd need to do that. <laughs> it's gas, isn't it? This is such a funny clip. Like he, she's, she nearly gets mown down by her dog. First of all, when yeah. she opens the door, I don't know if the dog gives out. And like three children at her feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a typical like seventies mammy, really. <laughs> Yeah, and it is typical 70s because she's she's a couple of kids that come to the door, but then this other kid arrives from outside who's obviously not hers. Like, you just a neighbor's kid who's just wandering into the garden to have a look at what's going on. <laughs> who's this fella? Yeah, just roam around. But it's like she takes the clothes off him, like it's gas. Like, she's like, no, she's what? Like, what? No. And he just taking him and looking at him. They don't need to be ironed. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> As Kieran said, like balls of steel, but it's just it's so uh, it's so good. And like the candid camera shows, like like we had um, wasn't it naked camera was the show oh, yeah. uh, when we were a bit younger. Naked camera, PJ yeah, Gallagher yeah. and that, and that was a similar type thing. But like they're just so funny because people's reactions, people's natural reactions, is just are just brilliant. Oh yeah. But um, I remember seeing an interview with Mike Murphy before, and he was saying particularly that sketch. He used to do that one quite a bit, like handing people the washing. And obviously, like they didn't have small cameras. The way they did it was there was a van on the side of the road that said O'Brien's bread and there was a cutout in the old <laughs> where the, the lens for the camera would be because they couldn't have like a small portable camera. Okay. So, and what would happen, like most of the time the joke got ruined from women being like, Arisher, come in. But she wouldn't be able to go in because they'd have no way <laughs> That's brilliant. Do you mind if I bring the van? <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't do a, a homer on it like with the massive cowboy hat with the big block camera in it like <laughs> that's, that's brilliant yeah because i was wondering how would you hide like how how would they have been totally out of shot of they behind a wall but the van jesus that's genius with the o cut out it was, it was something like it might i might have a kind of wrong but it was something along those lines i remember seeing the interview before a few years ago yeah because i only um I only knew growing up, I suppose, knew Mike Murphy from Winning Streak. You know, yeah. I, before before it was given to, and ruined by uh, your man, not uh, oh god, Derek Mooney, um, and then then absolutely butchered by that really annoying small one who looks like a pixie and uh, Marty Whelan. <laughs> I, I used to love I used to love Winning Streak. Um, 
But um, we um, it, up next, we get a great shot of uh, the Irish horse, Les Cargo, in, as is the first horse in 17 years to win the Aintree Grand National. Um, big old blinders on him as well. Uh, the big the big face mask on him. Like, uh, they weren't blinders, so I don't exactly know what the function of those are. Is it to stop him sweating? The big, big banaclava looking thing on him? Unless he's a member of the rat. Yeah, I think I think this horse is just a member of the rat, to be honest. Yeah, there we go. We've already had one race. As we as have as one competent Ra member this year. <laughs> <laughs> Ra member of the year, Les Cargo. <laughs> they should. They gave him an award at the annual uh, Ra awards ceremony. Um, Ra member of the year, <laughs> Les Cargo. Um, and in keeping the Razzies. The, uh, the Razzies I like it I like it uh, and keeping with sport in the hurling Kilkenny face Galway as we see a goal from one of the greatest hurlers of all time Eddie Kerr and I have no qualms about saying that um, as Kilkenny win 222 to 210 um, and in the football Kerry beat Dublin 212 to 11 points um, as I don't know if you caught this but when Dublin win the trophy um, or sorry when Kerry sorry win the trophy um, and they're they're being your man is being hoisted around or whatever there's an on-duty guard who is attempting to snatch the samba wire cup like everybody's yeah, trying to like my notes yeah <laughs> you, you can see like he's been like crowd surfed and the, the, the cup is like slowly being crowd surfed away from him <laughs> yeah, it's like just keep it coming this way keep it coming this way <laughs> it's like kind of a divide and conquer kind of a, yeah. <laughs> And the, the, the cop going slightly the other direction. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's Pat Spillane. So, like, he's only a young fella back then. Like, I'd say he's only was that 20. Was? Maybe, yeah, he's yeah. like Enda Kenny. It's hard to put an age in him, but he's young enough. But yeah, that guard is trying to horse that, that trophy away. Yeah. <laughs> what would you do to Sam McGuire if you managed to rob it? Like, I know he knows a good good panel yard now or something that can melt that down. Now. He'd be wanting in to walk them with the Sam McGuire around his neck or on his badge or. <laughs> you know, he'll know he'll know where to fence it, um, and uh, do you know what? I'll I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll give you a credit, Simon. You are it go very good at pointing out uh, these obscure people that, that they're not named, but you recognise them, like um, Pat Spillane there. However, up next we get to see Charlie from Fair City in his younger days in the pub. Now, certainly is. Yeah, there you good go. Spot, yeah. Good Order spot. Order to take a points. Uh, yeah. Um, now it's probably not McCoy's, but um, he talks with. Um, now, I may be wrong on this, but he talks with Richard Branson and a Charlie Hawhey impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> Not far off. Not far off. Can't confirm or deny. <laughs> um, he talks about money. I don't really understand what this ad was about. He's given out about having to dole out two bucks for a school tour. He buys a rake of points, and at the end, we're shown that it's an ad for the health board. <laughs> I think, is it basically just the government saying, like, stop drinking your children's education away, like? I think they were just trying to point out the irony in it, but it was lost on everyone because, in, especially in those days in Ireland, everyone was like, oh, lovely pints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it. Like, if instead of National Health Board it had just come up lovely pints, I'd have been like, yeah, great ads. Drink sensibly, the ad, Joe. Ah, yeah. The ad didn't say to me, like, don't drink pints, save yeah. that two quid for your child. Like, it said to me, mm, creamy pints. It, it, it did. And they were... They, they look like well poured points as well, but like, yeah, you're right. Like direct advertising is supposed to be that. It's supposed to be direct. It's not supposed to make you go, what the fuck was that? But it's like at the end, Irish Health Board. Okay, but what did they want me to do? <laughs> like, do they want it's me to definitely buy? definitely someone on the health board who doesn't drink himself. 
doesn't get the whole pub thing and he's like oh they're going to be really sore about this when i point out the fact that they're spending all their kids money on drinking guinness <laughs> and all it did was drive people to the pub um but um, up next, Frank Prendergast of the ITGWU uh, talks about challenges faced by businesses uh, in Ireland as we're gearing up for another recession. As we see signs which indicate petrol will only be sold to essential workers like doctors and nurses. Um, Molly Cranny from the Irish Housewives Association says that the government will need to act quick because women can't take any more of this inflation. They said the same about me when I was single. Well, hey. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just gas. And I'm pretty sure they used the same stock footage of the queue outside the petrol station as they did when there was a crisis in the Middle East a couple of years ago, a couple of episodes ago, because it's just a yeah, yeah, thing. <laughs> oh, they, 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 they totally did. Um, and I recognized one of the cars from that country, country road from the safe to crossroad at uh, earlier on. But um, RT owned four cars at the time. They had to be used in everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It came out of the warehouse when they needed it. <laughs> These are the only ones insured for us to film. <laughs> One of them was Gay Burns backup motor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as a result of all of this, widespread protest sees women out emptying handbags and the farmers take to the streets also. Uh, Liam Cosgrove bids, bids us good night as he said, we need to see a pause in the rise of incomes as our future depends on it. That's the fucking easy for you to say. Yeah, not, nobody not has any like... money, and the way we're going to solve this is by making sure you don't have any more. <laughs> yeah. did, you, did, you, did you see one of the signs in the protest I think it was the housewives protest right caught my eye and it said and I'm going to read it to you it says free beer full stop more drastic action will be taken <laughs> yeah free beer more drastic action will be taken cryptic at, at best I would say yeah, like, I don't really protest, if you look saying. at everyone in the protest they're all like smiling and laughing and joking like they're just having the crack like it wasn't <laughs> something to do leave the kids at home for the day and get out and protest <laughs> like I mean it's brilliant is that like a vague threat like drastic action will be taken um, I get that the I one get alcoholic that yeah. mixed in with the crowd <laughs> yeah just like someone giving some free beer like I don't I don't I don't I, don't, I really don't understand I get the uh, I'm get, so intrigued by this sign I, I get the appeal of the free beer thing because I know that sometimes um, I've seen uh, I've seen advertisements for just just random things and it's like uh, free beer or you know free boobies and it's like now that I have your attention you know <laughs> This here's the advertisement, but not free beer. Shit! What was I supposed to say next? Uh, d- drastic action taken. Will be. <laughs> what will be the drastic action? Your man will go sober without it. Yeah, just that. <laughs> oh, you wait and see. <laughs> you won't like me when I'm sober. <laughs> when I run free out beer. Of money. Mm, free beer. Um, so to end our show uh, every week, Andy, we like to go back and look at the get, at the people that we've uh, come across, the random folks that we've talked about throughout the space of the show. And if you could pick any three who you might bring to your little dinner party. So I'm going to let Simon go first so you know exactly what I'm talking about. So Simon, if you were to pick any three people from today's episode to bring to dinner, who would they be? Okay, so um, so I... There, there's a few obvious candidates which I'll, which I'll give you but first off I'd like to say that young Enda Kenny is barred from my dinner party <laughs> why just don't like the cut of his jib to be honest okay he's all he's he just I, he was bringing bring the mood down 
uh, William Gendy Kenny. So he's he'd be talking about trains and things like that. So he's just not he, coming. He does look like the kind of guy who walks into a room and says knock knock and doesn't actually knock. You know that that kind of douche. Yeah, so he's barred, right? Okay, so we're not bringing in Kenny, but we'll bring, we're going to bring Dr. Harama, the guy who got abducted uh-huh. by the Ra, because he's just, his backstory is fascinating, and I could spend hours listening to, to him talk about that, and then also why that guy drank his piss. Um, <laughs> so I definitely have him. I'd have Mike Murphy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Barrel laughs. He'd probably bring his candid camera and make show of us all, but it'd be, it'd be worth it. And then I would have any one of those L lads from that ad in the pub. Um, because at least you know they prioritize getting the beers in over anything else. Exactly, they know their priorities. The children may go home. You know, they, he's gonna, he's, they're gonna want to bring the booze. Uh, you know, get locked. Doesn't matter what it costs. Yeah, don't, don't, don't care. I've got five kids at home. We need, you know, education. You Just get it. the points in. So, Bang yeah, anyone. I'll take Charlie from Fair City. Yeah, good, good, good spot. Uh, so, Andy, now that you have the gist, if you were to bring any three people from tonight's episode to dinner, who would they be? Uh, I think I'd, doc- I'd take I'd take Dr. Herrera as well, just because he is an interesting person. And then uh, two more guests. I'll bring the Spore Briggs. Just find out why. <laughs> why the Maybe we'll get a game of snooker in or something or go to the pool or ride a horse or something as well while we're at it. Just to find out why. Just why. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so my guests uh, would be Charlie Hotty because he looks lonely. It really does. Uh, poor Charlie. Poor Charlie. Um, then I bring Mike Murphy, as I said, because he is, um, you know, he's just a barrel of laughs. He's a great guy. Um, and I'd also invite Morris O'Doherty just for that voice alone. <laughs> the great. Yeah, you could listen to him. Just giving him headlines. Read, read the like, news to you all night. That's it. He could read me the menu. He could read me the phone book and he'd, I'd, be, I'd be content. <laughs> Um, so with that all out of the way, that is our episode of 1975. Um, so Andy, did you enjoy your first experience with us here at Reeling in Your Ears? I did, of course. Thanks very much for inviting me on. Nah, no problem at all. And you'll be back with us next week, hopefully, as we look back at 1976. Um, so just a couple of things. So first of all, don't forget if you're out there listening and you're like, hmm, where might I find more of these gentlemen? We are on Twitter at R-I-Y-E podcast. We're also on Facebook, but Facebook is a bit special when it comes to looking stuff up. So just look up reeling in your ears you'll find us we're the only ones um also if you want to jump on our social media uh well actually just twitter because that's really where it happens every sunday night at 8 30 p.m simon will be there with his thumbs at the ready and he'll be live tweeting the episode of reeling in your ears you might even get a little sneak peek of what the end of fair city was like um just you know stay tuned you'll find out um so is that you looking forward to 2014 Certainly am. I, much like you, Kieran, I can't remember anything that happened uh, during 2014. So I will. Uh, I am waiting with bated breath to find out what happened. Yes, yes, and I'm. I'm certainly looking forward to. Um, I suppose just getting a refresher course uh, in in what what life was like when I was 22. Uh, good times, I think. Um, but I would like to just say a special, very special thank you to um, our special guest this week, uh, Mr. Andy O'Regan. So thank you very much, Andy, for coming on. Thanks for having Thanks, me again, Andy. lads. No bother, and we look forward to next week. And thank you once again to my co-host Simon. So from uh, actually, I suppose I better give you a chance to thank say Karen. goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> say goodbye. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Kieran. <laughs> there you go. Um, and so it is a goodbye. 
I am choking here. It's a goodbye from me. So be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Stay tuned here every Friday at 8 p.m. when we drop a new episode available wherever you find your podcasting goodness. And as always, folks, keep on reading. When you're lonely, when you're blue, when you need someone to talk to. 